Live from the Motor City, all the way to the Volunteer State, it's time for the Reckless Speculation Podcast, where we recklessly speculate the latest news in the world of sports. From college football to NASCAR, we've got you covered. And don't forget to stick around for the world-famous Bet Your Nuts, where we will give you your best bets to make the most money. Now sit back, grab your favorite drink of choice, and join Robbie Davis, Raj Mehta, Brandon Chain, and Tom Sloan. It's showtime! Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Reckless Speculation College Football Kickoff Show. Uh, tonight, we're going to get into it right away. We got uh, USC going into Boulder. Boy, second half comeback by the Buffaloes. That was a, that was a bit of a scare for uh, our good buddy Raj Mehta's USC Trojan. So we're going to hit on that. Georgia just seems to squeak by every week. Uh, this week, seven-point uh, win against Auburn. A uh, bit of a shocker there. Are they for real? Are they going to get knocked off at some point? Uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, Ole Miss rolls uh, a week after um, losing to Alabama was probably their best opportunity to kind of take one up in the SEC. So they take care of business this week. We'll hit on that. Uh, and then we'll go around campus, talk about some of the uh, news and notes from last week's action around college football. As always, we will recap last week's uh, bonus bet your nuts and uh, preview this week's top action. So before we get going, of course, we do want to mention our sponsors, CNW Construction. I'm sorry, that's next. Davis Keller and Davis. I apologize. Uh, Davis Keller and Davis Law, these guys are uh, the ones you want to call if there's any incidents that you have in the Chattanooga or, frankly, anywhere in the state of Tennessee. Give them a call. Um, and the aforementioned CNW Construction with the fancy new logo there. And, again, some examples of some uh, previous jobs that they've recently finished. Man, I, I mean, I don't have to say anything. They speak for themselves. It's amazing work. Give them a call. That is Reckless, Speculous, Reckless Speculation's own Brandon Chain. And as always, go like, go follow us on all the, the social media platforms. It really does help us out, gives, gives us a, a wider reach because I really think we do a good job here. We talk about any type of sport, uh, specifically college, and then we also do an NFL show, which will be coming up tomorrow night. So, uh, Again, check out those social medias and get updates. Uh, and check out some uh, some of the previous episodes that we have done. And fun fact for September 3rd, ladies and gentlemen, on this date in 1974, since the baseball postseason is just kicking off uh, today, we're going to do a little fun fact. 1974, Frank Robinson became the first African-American manager in Major League Baseball he uh, took over the head coaching duties for uh, my good, my dad's uh, Cleveland Indians, now the Cleveland Guardians. But uh, there's a fun little fact, historical fact, as a matter of fact, if I can say that too many times. Uh, also, some famous October 3rd birthdays. Chubby Checker, 
1941, October 3rd. Tommy Lee, the uh, world famous drummer, among other things, uh, 1962, and uh, the voice's own Gwen Stefani. I remember her, uh, and Raj probably remembers her uh, from the band No Doubt. Uh, she was born in 1969. That's uh, that was a bit shocking to me. I was I was surprised. Uh, 1969, but uh, we're gonna bring in the fellas here. Brandon Chain, what's up, good buddy? How's it going? Hanging in there? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. An interesting week, we'll say the least. Uh, yeah. But uh, this guy. Hello, sir. Raj Mehta. Welcome aboard. Yeah. You know, uh, I was feeling good. Everything was nice and tight. And then, you know, I, I just gave it all up. <laughs> just kind of like SC. <laughs> Well, that's uh, I think they call that in the uh, the television and radio business one hell of a transition, and that's where we're going to start off tonight, ladies and gentlemen. USC Colorado, forty-eight forty-one. USC escapes an, uh, an unbelievable comeback from Colorado, which last week they got the doors blown off them uh, against Oregon. So. Uh, I got to hand it to Deion Sanders. He got his kids motivated, especially in that halftime, to come out and really give it give it their all. Caleb Williams, of course, no surprise here. 30 of 40, 403 yards passing and six touchdowns. Colorado's defense has uh, got lots of holes, lots of issues, which I'm sure uh, we've we spoke before many times when you're coming into a program and you're dealing with 72 new players coming out of the portal. Uh, depth issues is going to be a big problem. So uh, I see Deion Sanders, especially the king of the secondary. He's going to address that uh, in future recruiting. So that'll probably be cleaned up. But Dor Sanders, you know, last week he didn't look so good. This week he comes back 30 of 45, 371 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, a lot of that coming in the second half. Um, 27 points to be exact in the second half. Um, and Raj, you're you're the resident Pac-12, resident USC guy here. Um, was that a is that a situation of Colorado's offense being really good, and they 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 just kind of made the adjustments in the halftime, or is this a really bad USC defense? It's not really bad. Uh, like I've said about Colorado and USC last year, in one year you can transform a roster, especially on the outside, especially at skill. But you can't get depth. You can't get depth in the trenches. SC did a very good job finally adding to that this year. Um, you know, you saw last year in the bowl game when two guys were out, including Tuli Tula Potu, who had like three sacks against the Chargers or somebody recently. Um, now they have depth. They got, you know, two SEC transfers, the sack leader from Purdue. But they still run the 3-3-5, which to me is a gimmick defense. Lincoln Riley's loyalty to Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator, is going to be the end of him. You know, it, it's a defense that, especially when, you know, you're, you're newer and smaller and have no depth, you know, it's faster athletic players. It's, you know, to those that don't know, you know, often three in the front, maybe three in the back, 
or, you know, three linebackers on the side and one, two, three, depending on how, you know, things are, are played. What you see right here is basically everybody spread out with the one safety up top. The safety high back there is Kalen Bullock, who's an All-American. You can play this defense. It, it's a form of cover one, but he bites. And that leaves Bryson Shaw, a strong safety. Uh, his race doesn't matter. A white guy transferred from Ohio State one-on-one -on -one with no over-the-top help. On top of that, Shaw thought he had help. So a lot of that's on Bullock, but a lot of this is on the 3-3-5 where you're going to have a lot of isolation and teams that go trips, as you see there. You're going to have a DB and a safety on you know the X and Y, um, or sorry, the Z and Y, and, and then the guy in the slot is going to have usually a linebacker on him or, or, or somebody of that sort. So there's just a lot of man all over and it's meant for confusing teams big risk big reward a lot of stunts blitzing from all over you know usc is number six in the country in sacks i believe but you give up big plays and all the colorado scoring drives in the second half i mean it was 41 to 14 halfway through the third at seven minutes and 14 seconds i believe and colorado scored in a minute 56 and remember, this is a mile high and 9 a.m. USC time. But when you score quick like SC does, your defense gets no rest. And after that one touchdown where they scored in a minute and change, Caleb threw his first pick of the year, 24 TDs, one pick, off his back foot, little miscommunication. And then the defense had literally six seconds to rest. Colorado comes right back out, scores again. Gets the ball, scores again, you know, just quick drives. And you could tell they were gassed. And from that point, it was just, you know, I never thought they would lose because time running out. But, you know, Marshawn Lloyd, the South Carolina transfer, had 13 carries for 85 yards and a TD. He was abusing them in the first half. I think he had one or two carries in the second. Just abandoning that and getting into caught into a shootout and – you know, there was no business this game being this close. And a lot of the country will see 48-41. Last week, 42-28 to ASU. And, yeah, a lot of it is big play. It is having that one-on-one, -on -one, missing that tackle. You know, you can't do that. And you got cover one and cover threes. It's great if you're getting to the quarterback. But, you know, for example, versus like the standard 4-3, a big power 4-3 like Utah who leads the country in rushing defense at 67 yards per game, I believe, or their third. You know, you're you're relying on guys to to stunt, to fill gaps, to do all sorts of things. And that's a lot to ask of college kids. And, you know, if you get something like a buck sweep somewhere where, you know, two guards are pulling on, you get on the edge, you're dead. You know, look at what you got out there. You got tiny guys and other dudes trapped up inside, uh, trailing the play. And, you know, there's just more risk, less reward. No margin of error. I hate the defense. We hate Alex Grinch. The personnel is there to play a base D. Well, right before the game, we found out that um, Zachariah Branch, the the superstar freshman kick returner, wide receiver, not playing in that game. And uh, fortunately, they do come out with the win. Uh, how big of a loss was that? potentially going into that game 
losing a player to that caliber out of that offense, Raj? Way more than I thought. It, uh, you know, we didn't even know about it, and I'm still not entirely sure on the injury. I can't remember what it was. Um, it's they've been undisclosed lately, which is ridiculous. But you know, I thought Makai Lemon is another five star with build in, but just he, Zachariah Branch is the closest thing to Reggie Bush since Reggie Bush, uh, in my opinion. He in three games has over 340 yards in from overall from scrimmage. And mind you, he's only got 170 receiving. Kick returns, six for 171. He's averaging 30 yards and a TD. Punt returns, seven for 158 and a TD. But more than anything, as a receiver, he changes the game. You are putting your number one on him. You know, he's getting those screens. He could have abused that team on the outside. Um, You know, that being said, you know, big credit to Colorado. They came back. Uh, Omarion Miller had never played in a game, and he had 190 yards um, it, that's just coaching and not being ready for a team. But Zachariah Branch absolutely changed that game way more, and it scares the shit out of me. Yeah, he, he's a weapon, that's for sure. Uh, Brandon, it, seeing that this was a seven-point game, uh, in comparison to the week prior, it was, what, 41, like 13 or something to that effect in Oregon? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> could Could this – potentially hurt USC down the down the road with maybe strength of schedule and, and, and uh, type of win moving in, in the later uh, parts of the season? You know, I, maybe slightly. I don't really think it's that big of a deal. I mean, if, if you watch the game, USC was dominant uh, for the most part. Yeah. It's some of these big chunk plays that happen. Um to Raj's point and, you know, that defense, that's just, they didn't make adjustments when they were getting, you know, slashed and gashed all over the field. They tried to stay in it and force it. And Dion made adjustments at halftime. He saw where he could exploit mm-hmm. that, that particular defense. I mean, he's, he's a great coach because he knows the game so well from, especially from the defensive side. So offensively he can break that down. Um, so I, it was a well job or job well done by Dion and, um, you know, their D coordinator for USC, just, you got to do better. And that's where Lincoln's got to step in and say, all right, Hey, we gotta, we gotta change something. We're getting killed here. So we were no, shocked. I think- he came back. He doesn't adjust. You said it perfectly great. And you're right. Credit to Colorado. I don't want to take away from them. You're absolutely right. They just exposed SC in the second half. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it, it's a it's a good point you bring up, Raj, about uh, USC scoring fast. Now you're 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 playing in a, in a high elevation, and these kids really don't have an opportunity to catch their breath. We'll say if 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 time of possession is is less than two minutes and they're back on the field irregardless to you know scoring a touchdown or not um, that's going to affect a defense uh, whether they like it or not especially as the game goes on um but obviously a loss is a loss if you can find some sort of a silver lining in it 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 is the fact that 
when they got out to a huge lead, Colorado never really seemed to give up. And mm-hmm. they did they didn't get just uh, enough done in the second half to to pull out the win, but they came damn close. Would this build a little bit of confidence? I'll ask you both really quick. Um, is this something they can build off as far as confidence-wise, especially coming off of such a bad loss last week to Oregon, Brandon? I think so. Um, not that there's any lack of confidence with Prime and the way he coaches. I mean, right. But I think the kids and the transfers are starting, you know, that gives them a, an extra motivation and, and more belief like, hey, you know, we almost pulled it off. Don't give up no matter how far you're down. And, and trust in Coach Prime and, and his schemes and when he makes a, a change like that. Because uh, it, it was drastically different offensively for them in, in the second half. And uh, it just it didn't look like it was slowing down. And I, I think, you know, if there's five more minutes in the game, Good point. they probably win. Yeah. So uh, it just – I think that was the hard-headedness of, of USC's D coordinator. So. Roger, is, is that something that, that – Colorado could really build off of and and uh, I think confidence and, just kind of shows their 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 drive we'll say I think so absolutely you know it was you know nut check time for lack of a better expression when you get smoked like that on national TV and they were bound for that they were riding high reading the headlines um you know and they bounced back and it looked like they weren't going to and they dug deep and, you know, they, they're not going to face another 3-3-5 again, which <laughs> sucks for them. But, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It showed a lot about that team. And the defense particularly, USC was doing whatever they wanted at will. And after that interception, those quick 14, they had their first three and out. Um, you know, there was just adjustments all over. And, and they showed and they told themselves, you know, we are not out of anything. Um, yeah. And, and so I thought it was big. And next week's at Arizona State, which is a more than winnable game. And, and it's a road game where um, they're going to want to kind of get that bad taste out of their mouth from a, a bad loss in Oregon on the road. So uh, I look for a much better performance this week with uh, with Colorado. So moving on to Georgia. Another team that just, I mean, they're winning, they're undefeated, but it just hasn't looked Georgia-esque. Uh, they, they take down Auburn uh, by a touchdown this week. Another real lackluster performance for Georgia. Carson Beck, although he played a pretty good game, 23-33, 313 yards, uh, only one touchdown. Uh, they got some yards on the ground, it seemed, Georgia. But... Um, one thing that they did that's very uncharacteristic, and we talked about it yesterday in our show meeting, Raj, um, they gave up a lot of yards on the ground. And, and that's something that that we're not accustomed to seeing from a Georgia-type defense. Uh, the, the, the thought process coming in was that the defense is going to hold their own like they always do. And as long as the offense doesn't make mistakes, they're going to be okay. Um, Raj, I'll start with you here. This is something, like I said, we haven't seen really before from this defense. Is it maybe time to panic, especially with some some of the tougher schedule coming up for Georgia in the SEC? I don't think so. I mean, I was shocked. They Auburn 
averaged 5.1 yards per carry and outrushed them, doubled their rushing total to 19 to 107. Um, a lot of that was things Georgia wasn't ready for. I mean, they've never seen Peyton Thorne. I've never seen Peyton Thorne run like that. Yeah. Um, you know, he had 92 yards in the air and 92 yards on the ground. Um, <laughs> and especially after the week he had prior, he was absolutely horrendous the week prior. So a little bit of a nice bounce back for him. Yeah. And, you know, with Carson Beck, it, it's, you, you'd like to see more progress there. Because with Georgia, just like so many Bama teams, you just the defense, keep you in there, keep you in there, keep you in there. Week seven or eight, he starts to turn the corner. But, you know, Dominic Lovett came over from Missouri. You're not seeing big playmakers outside. That was Ladd McConkey's first game. Um, you know, when they had to, they just threw it to one guy. And fortunately for them, that one guy was unstoppable. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it was very surprising. You know, Jarquez Hunter ran well as, uh, you know, only averaged three yards per carry. But, he, you know, he got that TD. He – they looked tougher for a little bit of the game. Like they smacked them in the mouth early and Georgia didn't know what to do. So I don't think it's freak out time. They underestimated them, but uh, they better wake the hell up because it's about to get a lot tougher starting with Kentucky next week and Ray Davis. And that'll be a game we're going to highlight a little bit of foreshadowing Raj Meta. Um, Brandon Raj mentioned the one player that was unstoppable. And that's that's Brock Bowers. Um, he yeah. is the prototypical tight end. He's a no doubt top 10, maybe even earlier pick in next year's NFL draft. Uh, a lot of that offense, a big percentage of that offense goes right to him. Um, if he were to go down, I, what kind of offense production are we looking at for the Georgia Bulldogs? Not very good. Uh, <laughs> he he is the heart and soul of their offense. Uh, yeah, dude, he's all over the field. Um, he's he's always open, and you know Edwards always finds him. So yeah, I don't even want to think about what happened if he goes down. I mm-hmm. I don't even know who the the backup tight end is, but um, I'm not very impressed with the wide receiving core here, and you know. QB's not not that great. There's not a lot of progress there as to Roger's point. So, um, you know, Beck wasn't terrible, but it, it is an Auburn defense that's not that great, uh, one of the worst in the SEC. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be necessarily scared if I was Georgia, but, man, they almost slipped up. And I, I think it was just a lot of underestimation. Um, but – they were also exploited a little bit on the run side. So, you know, there, there may be a little br- blueprint there for a little better running team. If yeah. they lose that game, I'm asking Tom and you, Brandon, are they done no matter what, considering what we think Auburn will do or not do? Is that it? Mm, I, I mean, so. I think it drops them out of the top four. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so. it's Georgia. It's, it's Georgia. It's back-to-back uh, national championships. I think they get some sort of carte blanche, we'll say. Um, but it does put them on notice, and their leash is really short. So I, I don't think it takes them out of the equation because they got to play an SEC championship game 
ultimately if they make it. So I think right. that is the deciding factor. Same. I think they would go to like five or six if they lost that game. Yeah. And cruise on. Right. Oh, I agree. I think they, you know, if USC or uh, Michigan or Ohio State loses that game, they drop to like seven or 10. I, I agree you know. 100%. USC's dropped to ninth and they keep winning. <laughs> they were, they were. I know. Hey, I was fully expecting zero. Ohio State to drop on our bye week. Like I just knew <laughs> yeah. we were gonna drop. Um, real quick, guys, will Georgia go unbeaten for the third year in a row? Man, I don't know. After that game, um, maybe it's a like a smelling salt type deal for Georgia, and they wake up, but. They, they don't look like the same Georgia we're used to, so they're not as dominant um, as everyone's giving them credit for. So there could definitely be a slip up here somewhere. Raj. I think. Thank you, dear. I needed some caffeine since we're sober tonight. Um, the schedule's not hard, man. They get Kentucky at home, at Vandy, Florida at home, Missouri at home, which that's a sneaky, tough game. It's on the road. Old Miss at home. At Tennessee, which is the game they got to watch out for at Georgia Tech. It looks like it, you know, the schedule gods are smiling. And even in the SEC championship game, if it gets there, you know, I think they'll get better against the run. I don't see Bama beating them. And then you got LSU and Old Miss, those two defenses. I mean, they're they're matadors. So yeah. I want to say no, but the schedule lines up really well. Yeah. I I think they lose at Tennessee. Um, Tennessee is going to do just enough to get by. And uh, I really think AARP Stetson Bennett um, really was the heart and soul of that team. Uh, and uh, maybe he can get his uh, act together and go back and graduate from Georgia <laughs> since he's not playing in the NFL anymore. Um, we did. You just mentioned Ole Miss. They unbelievable fourth quarter against uh Finally, LSU, uh, Brian <laughs> Kelly, uh, my good buddy Bill Wirtz's favorite coach. Not really. Uh, Notre Dame grad. <laughs> um, they At one point, it was like 34-21, I believe. And uh, Ole Miss just goes on a tirade in, in the fourth quarter uh and upsets lsu i'm not sure if it was much of an upset we'll say because it was on the road uh winning on the road as you guys know in the sec is 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 very difficult Mm -hmm. but um lane kiffin comes out with a better game plan is that a result of of his loss last week to his predecessor or his uh, uh his professor we'll say uh and nick saban uh, Brandon, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think he's always been there. I mean, he always makes <clears throat> pretty good in-game adjustments. So I just think he couldn't – you know, he's got some type of omen against his professor, like you said, and it just, he just can't get over that hump. Um, I think it's kind of a mental deal and then, you know, that combined with a few bad plays and some bad luck won't get you there. So I, I think he's, he's always been a good 
you know, adjustment on the fly, um, especially when in his OC years, like he, he really did well with that. So not surprising to see them fight back against LSU um, and exploit that defense. 21 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, that was pretty big. That's that, that's a big output there. there. Raj, Jane Daniels goes off 27-36, 414 yards, four touchdowns in a losing effort. That, that's got to be debilitating in itself. Um, just another loss for LSU. Uh, SEC loss. Their defense gives up over 700 yards. Uh, it, it, does this all but end LSU's chances of, of maybe squeaking in? to a college football playoff race? Pretty much. Um, yeah, it, it didn't look good. I mean, they were a sieve, and that's not LSU. Um, Harold Perkins was supposed to be the best linebacker in the country, and I saw it all over social media. LSU fans were like, what happened? You know, who snatched his body and, and put, you know, freaking – what was that fat guy, Jared Lorenzen at linebacker, fat quarterback <laughs> from Kentucky? From Kentucky. Uh, I, don't Lorenzo. I don't know where that came from. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they turned the ball over. When you look at the numbers, it, it's exactly what it was. Like nobody stopped anyone at all. You know, there was no picks thrown. There was one fumble. Um, Ole Miss had more penalties, but really the difference to me in that entire game, aside from both defenses sucking and both quarterbacks just taking advantage of everything, especially Jackson Dart with the defense gave him, was finally Lane Kiffin fed Quinshawn Junkins. And Judkins is a guy that gets stronger as the game goes on. You've got to give him the football. And he had games before of uh, three of his four games, he had 13 carries. This game... That's 39. This game, he had 33 carries, 177 yards, 5.4 per carry, and a TAD. Feed that dude. And that opened up so much for Jackson Dart. And that's the difference right there is they were able to be very well balanced. Um, and you run with that dude who had a record-setting year last year, everything's going to open up. I mean, we've said it time and time again. If you can win down in the trenches, your your good chances you're going to win the football game. So when you're running for five and a half a carry, you just you absolute pound pound pound, and then break them off with some play action, and and that seems to be what Ole Miss did. Uh, again, they come off a loss, uh, the only loss of the season thus far against Alabama, who we'll get into here in a, in a few minutes. Uh, they seem to be. Back on track, we'll say. Um, does this kind of open the door for Ole Miss to uh, get into the conversation we'll see for an SEC championship? I'll ask you both that. Brandon, we'll start with you real quick. Yeah, I mean, if if this can be their only loss and Alabama's got, you know, potential loss to Tennessee coming up, Um yeah, I definitely think they could get in. Mirage? Yeah, they're in the West. Right now, the West is wide open. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, the, the Bama game was pretty close. You get a couple bounces your way, and you make Milrow throw, try to throw Bama back into the game. And uh, 
yeah, that's you're looking good. Now they travel to Georgia uh, and then to Mississippi State. So, but a lot of games at home, Arkansas, Vandy, A&M, they should win all those games, Louisiana, Monroe. Um, but it's there. It's you look there. at Bama's schedule, though. I mean, there's some potential hiccups here. Tennessee, yeah. it's at Tennessee, home against it's LSU, at, but it's at, at home. Kentucky, no, they're, in, they're, they're at Tuscaloosa. They're, oh, no, they're at Tuscaloosa. Yeah. At, or, yeah, they're, and LSU comes there. But then at Kentucky, I mean, that could be a potential slip up there. That'll be a tough game. We're going to find out about Kentucky this week. Um, they look they looked pretty yeah. good last week, although it was Vanderbilt. But um, nonetheless, uh, they they got a big win. So no, they beat uh, the Florida last week. Oh, Florida! I'm sorry, that yeah. Vanderbilt was the week before. Yes, Florida. Yeah. They they manhandled Florida. My my apologies. Yeah, good, good catch. No, you're good, Brandon. Good friend. Um, going back to Friday night, Raj, Utah, Oregon State. This this seemed to come as a surprise for me. Uh, Utah came in rolling number 10 in the country, uh, and we weren't really too sure what Oregon State was going to bring in this game. Corvallis can be a tricky place to play. And DJU, we, I, I know me personally, I wasn't sure how he was going to hold up, we'll say, uh, in a primetime position. He did just enough to get it, get get the win. Uh, this game definitely came down to defense from the Beavers. 198 yards total offense. Uh, it's no secret the Pac-12 is the best conference thus far in college football, led by just some unbelievable offenses. Can that defense compete against some of the big dogs like USC, like Washington, or even uh, Coach Prime's Colorado Buffaloes? Yeah, man. I mean, Washington barely beat an Arizona team without their starting quarterback, without Jaden Delora, freshman Noah Fafita played, maybe a sophomore. But, you know, Oregon State, my point is they're known for offensive line. They're known for big press DBs, and they still have that. And that was going to be a tough matchup for Utah. Um, you know, Nate Johnson was 8 of 23. Uh, Bryson Barnes, 5 of 8 with a pick. You know, that's that's and Reeser Stadium is a super tough place to play. It's almost like they're always night games. Weird stuff happens. The renovation is finished. So the capacity went up. Um, it was the most helpless I've seen Utah be. And even for them to be four and oh, with Nate just being so one dimensional, I was impressed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know this is transitioning on my own, but. You know, with Cam rising, they win that game going away. And, and that kind of leads to my my next question. Um, I'll ask you this, Brandon. I, their quarterback performance this week, 13 of 31 for 141 between two quarterbacks, uh, has the offense kind of plateaued? under the second second string unit uh and and how much do they miss that veteran leadership and presence on the field with cam rising oh it's it's finally caught up to in this game um i think they've been disguising that weakness fairly well amongst the the teams they've played now uh what was who they played that one uh 
I'm looking at their own one. Uh, Utah. That would they play Florida first Florida. again? That's Florida. Right. So against Florida, um, that was that was kind of one of those hard to understand games because everyone was a little higher on Florida. Florida came out looking really slow, really soft, um, and Utah looked good with their second QB. Uh, so then, like I said, the, the rest of their schedule was not great. Um, Baylor, who, who's a little weaker this year, Weber State, uh, UCLA, that was a tough game. That was a defensive battle, 14-17. Um, and then the loss here to Oregon State. So they're definitely hurting for some offensive play. Like I said, thus far they've disguised it fairly well, um, backing it up with the defense. But – uh, yeah, Rising's back. They win that game. Yeah, I, I hopefully he'll be back this week. I I think they were hoping he was going to be back last week. I seen him on the field prior to uh, warming up a little bit, uh, and it, it, it kind of had that look like he was going to go, but he didn't. And that's a big loss for that that offense. And I I think they've they've kind of carried him as far as they're going to go without him. Um, but Roz, real quick, just give give your overall take. You being the Pac-12 guy here, um, not a lot of people really know much about Oregon State, and you know Utah is still you know they're they're a bit in the weeds. They're like I said, they came in top ten, but they don't get a lot of publicity, especially this year in the way the 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 conference has panned out. So give us your take overall how that game played out. I mean, it was. A smash mouth game. I know that sounds like an oxymoron with the pack, but it was exactly that. Like I said, with Oregon State, you know, they're big in the trenches. Big DBs playing press really hard for those guys to compete, complete passes. The Utah guys, um, you know, with, with Cam rising, I can't say this enough. I think he's the most underrated quarterback in the country. Um, Utah, Whittingham is a, a dick, quite frankly. And he, he loves to like not, you know, he's made it look like the guy's playing every week after an ACL. Um, but, you know, Rising is a guy that has won 10 games each of the last two years. You, you know, the 48-45 Rose Bowl against Ohio State two years ago. What a he game. He was electric. Last year, Penn State, um, on top of averaging about 2,800 yards and 23 TDs, he's averaged 500 yards on the ground and another six TDs. And he's tough. And his guys love it. He represents all that Utah is. He got coached up. He's tough as nails. He's a hell of a leader. When you need a big play at the at the most critical time, Cam Rising delivers. And yeah, that he just changed the game not being there. Like I said, to me, you know, transition, Sam Hartman, a lot of people said was the most underrated quarterback in America last year. To me, it's been Cam rising, no doubt, the last two years. And we can see right now already. Yeah. Probably three. It, it, another thing with Cam rising that that I just love, and it, it, it's his upbringing. This kid was homeless, living in a car in Pasadena, California. Yeah. So he, he never takes anything too lightly. He doesn't take advantage or, or take – for granted what he has and uh, he, he's got a heart of gold and, and he just to me he's he's a gamer and doesn't take plays off and and, and that's a testament to where you know the, the the 
the battle he had growing up. I mean, anytime you have perseverance like that at a young age and, and you get through, I think, I think you carry that through on the rest of your life and it, and it kind of defines who you are, your, the strength. And, and yeah. he definitely did that. And on, uh, albeit they did get the loss against Ohio state, but they were never out of that game. He just, yeah. They were he battled yeah. that game was Smith and Jigba was put on the map. If you didn't know him, you mm-hmm. knew him after that game. Unbelievable. Two years ago, when when everybody thought Ohio State was dead and gone, written off, that was the second half for the ages. So, mm-hmm. you mentioned Sam Hartman, and and he started the season really well. And the last two weeks, he has been subpar to say the least. Um, have some of these defense figured him out? Or is this a product of not really having such a strong uh, wide receiver core? Uh, Raj, I'll start with you. It sure as hell does seem like they don't have the game breakers at receiver. Um, you know, they always seem to have an amazing tight end. I think uh dude's been hurt. Uh, but, you know, you've got the number one running back in the country right now. And Audric Estima, and they did not give him the ball enough. Jerome Bettis, two point two hundred, yeah, two hundred thirty-five pounds coming downhill, scares the crap out of me as an SC guy seeing you there at that game. Um, but two, you know he should have. Week, yeah, he, you know if you look at the numbers, he got fifteen hundred yards and you know fourteen TDs, no picks, but he's been taking sacks, sixty-six percent completion percentage, but. You know, last week, what, 15 of 30, just very pedestrian, whether it's a lack of confidence, not knowing the offense as well, you know, not having those guys to make those throws. I don't know, but he's not what his numbers say he is. He's not 14 TDs, zero picks. It's people not watching games. Like, like I said, with SC falling in the polls, they just see final scores and, People are just seeing scores by him, but he he did not look good in that game. It, it's not because of him, that's for sure. Um, no. N- another interesting game coming up this week against Louisville. So we'll see how that pans out. They barely get by um, Duke last week. But it, uh, it's such a great showing of sportsmanship when he basically cut the postgame interview short because he wanted to run over and see uh, USC's or I'm sorry, Duke's quarterback, he was getting out of the blue tent. He wanted to, you know, check on him. And just, mm-hmm. I mean, that 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 kind of is a test to his character. That, you know, that was a good sign. There was a lot of that this week, uh, especially with uh, Travis Hunter. Look him up. Look up Travis Hunter, his little video. I meant to throw it on today. I didn't get a chance to. But his sh- showing of solidarity with Colorado State's uh, defensive back that, kind of put him out uh oh just just a great moment so the guy that that tried to yeah yeah look him up it on was, youtube it just that so was cool. nice cool gesture um and uh i gotta say though i thought it was awesome but you're looking at a guy with like two hundred thousand social media followers and whatnot so probably mm-hmm. now three hundred fifty thousand after that i'm not questioning oh, I'm sure. him but it was a very sure. classy move yep. to do that um you know that kid had gotten death threats and travis hunter called that out Stop this yeah. Shit. Well, that that actually trickled down from the top in prime. Like he made a statement very you know quickly mm-hmm. on how how you know this is just a game. This kid was just trying to play it as hard as he could. 
you know, it happens. He and that mm. nobody should get hate. Like it's just a game. You know, yep. all this stuff. So that again, you know, I know Prime is an arrogant guy, <laughs> and he yep. he puts a lot of bad taste in people's mouths. But if you really dig into to what his values are and ideals, like the dude is is a father figure to these kids and he really, really helps them um, and teaches them how to be men and men life, you know, and life. I, Cause he knows, you know, 95% of them are not going to the NFL, mm-hmm. but he's trying to get them prepared for life. So anyway, I, I think it trickles down. That's, that's good yeah. on that whole program. I love and I, I, another, another mm-hmm. example of Dion with the father figure is Travis Hunter sent a text. He's like, I'm playing this week. coach. I got to get in this game. And yeah. he's like, you're not playing. Um, I'm not risking your health for a game. Uh, sit back, rest. You'll have your time. It just isn't this week. Just, I mean, yeah. y- you don't see too many coaches that kind of separate life from the game and life is more important in the game. And he expresses it. I just, I think mm-hmm. he's great. He's gotten a lot of flack for his flashiness, and it, that's just part of who he is. And yeah, that's his and, personality. And this is the flip side that not everybody really sees, or not everybody really understands. And and that alone is the reason why I think they'll win a national championship within the next five years. But speaking of national championships, this team is always in the mix for it. Alabama, um, a little bit. Kind of a sketchy season uh, thus far. The last two weeks, though, they kind of went with uh, uh, Milrow as a quarterback. He's the definitive starter. It, he's kind of settled in. But the focus really hasn't been on his arm as much as it has been smash mouth Alabama football. There's been a lot of emphasis on the run game. Uh, is Roll tied back? I'll ask you both real quick. Start with you, Brandon. Um, no, I don't think they're back. I think this is product of Saban and company um, exploiting strengths in this team and realizing what they have and really playing to those strengths, um, slowing down the game, running the ball, you know, bigger guys in. So I, I think it's just Saban's experience and in, in his coaching I don't think they're back. Um, they're they're not going to make the playoffs this year, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got about that. <laughs> Raj, uh, thanks, Forrest. I mean, Brandon Brandon <laughs> nailed it. it. Saban has has a knack to make key adjustments at the right times, slowing down the the, the tempo. They definitely did that with 200 yards on the ground. Um, have they turned a corner here in this season? I think in the yes, in the sense that they've gone to what they do best. And it's kind of like with Georgia has a higher ceiling, but the Bama defense has, has stepped up and they're playing much better. Mm-hmm. And like I said, like Ohio State, they did that. Georgia, Alabama, their defenses need to play and keep them in games till the QB comes around. Mm-hmm. Milrow played pretty well, 10 for 12 in the air, but they ran the football and Milrow. Uh, Roy Dell Williams and Jace McMillan had 36 carries for 176 yards and three TDs. They're not losing when that happens. 
Right. For sure. Uh, here's another team that who are they? I mean, I, I don't even know. He's a big 10 guy. I'm not sure. I'm not sold on it. I think the worst coach in college football, <laughs> that's my, my unbiased opinion. Uh, Penn state goes in the halftime this past week against Northwestern. Talk about a school that has some uh, issues, but they go into halftime tied at 10. Turn around, come out to the second half, put up 31 and win 41-13. They got some big games coming up. You've got Ohio State on the horizon. You got Michigan in a couple weeks. What team are we going to see when it comes down to those big games? Are we going to see the first half or the second half, Penn State and Nittany Lions? Brandon. Um, The bigger games, I think we'll see the second half, Nittany Lions, I think. I think they just overlook – it's hard to get up for Northwestern. I mean, you know, I think they just undersold what, what they were doing. Um, and they, you know, realized that halftime they got to get it together. And that's when, when everyone, I think, kind of got serious or uh, fear of losing to a Northwestern team that has just got all kinds of problems. So. I think Penn State's fine. Uh, we see this time and time again in college where sometimes the teams that are so good and talented play down to competition for a half or for three quarters and then end up pulling it out. So uh, it's just young, younger kids, and I, I, I chalk it up to that. I think Penn State's a good team, and I think they'll be fine. They had a lot of short fields in that second half, man. They had a – one, they started out with a 12-play, 68-yard drive, but then four plays, two yards, field goal, 34 yards and a touchdown, um, 40 yards and a TD, 30 yards on one play, and the backup and a late TD. So while it was surprising and, you know, they look great. If you look at the numbers, Drew Allard did not. He looked human, 18-33, 189. Um, I agree. They, they haven't showed us anything yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and for whatever reason, they're, they're always seem to be ranked really high. I think, what are they? Number six this week in the country. It's, I don't know. I just, James Franklin, you're just, it's like the Cowboys. You're just waiting, waiting for them to go Cowboys. I think we're just waiting for James Franklin to go James Franklin. Uh, Tennessee. 41-20, uh, the revenge game over uh, the Gamecocks of South Carolina. Uh, Joe Milton still just not an impressive game again. Um, I, I guess with the SEC being down a little bit this year, can they manage by you know just getting enough in the quarterback play can they do just enough to possibly get to the SEC championship and maybe win the SEC championship, Brandon? Uh, it, it all hinges on Georgia, you know, if, if they can somehow either play a good game or, or and Georgia slips up and loses another game and they end up somehow – better off, but they've got to beat Georgia and that that's yep. the mountain they have to climb. And I think they could do it this year. Uh, Georgia's down over the last two years. This is the worst they've looked at over the last two years. Now, right. that being said, 
Georgia still looks at this point better than Tennessee. Um, but I think Heupel's a good coach. He's a good offensive mind. Uh, hopefully he can make those adjustments by that time um, and, and pull something out. But they've got a shot. Yeah, they've got just as good a shot as an old Miss or, you know, a, I don't think Alabama's going to make it, so I'm going to say them. But, you know, somebody like an old Miss or somebody that's out there, LSU is uh, – <laughs> The nails, the nails in the coffin. God, I just, I, Kelly is like the worst, dude. (laughs) You think it's Franklin? I think it's Kelly. Well, (laughs) it's 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 one and one a as far as that's yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, I'll agree with that. It's one and (laughs) one. I look like I look at Georgia and Tennessee this this year a lot like Georgia Alabama last year. This is a winnable game for Tennessee. And it's a game they absolutely have to win being Mm -hmm. at Tennessee. That crowd's going to be insane. So I agree. It comes down to that. Obviously. Um, Raj, do you think that our Tennessee has enough firepower? We'll say to, to get by a Georgia defense or will the, the advantage slightly at the quarterback position kind of put Georgia over the top. Do you know who leads the country in sacks? The University of Tennessee. They got after Rattler and the, made the secondary has played way better than expected. It helps when you lead the country in sacks. But the other thing we saw this game was them running the football. Jalen Wright had 16 carries for 123 yards. Jabari Small, 11 for 59. Dylan Sampson, 9 for 49. I mean, that's three guys with over 200 yards. That's going to do it. And what we saw from Georgia, and, you know, if we thought Bama was loud, this is going to be the loudest Neyland's mm. ever been. And yeah. Georgia and Carson Beck, a new quarterback, are not going to be able to hear shit. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they run the football. They get after the quarterback. It doesn't matter what Joe Milton does. I mean, it, it could look like last year's Georgia-Tennessee game with – with Hendon Hooker couldn't hear anything at Georgia, and and that seemed to make the difference uh, in that game. So I think that's a very very intriguing matchup. Uh, we definitely look forward to checking that out. Uh, moving on to this week's reckless speculation top five rankings, we give you who we think our top five is. Not looking at ESPN, not looking at Fox, none of the talking heads. This is who we like by using our eyeballs in the games that we have watched. So, Brandon Chain, we'll start with you. What's your RS top five for this week? Number one, I've got Texas. Um, Because of what we were just talking about with Georgia and what I actually saw as far as eye test goes, um, I dropped them down. So, Texas seems to be pretty complete. They've got a good win against Alabama. Not the best Alabama team, but still a solid win. Um, in Tuscaloosa. So. Yeah, in Tuscaloosa, which, you know, is a tough place to play. So, I like them at one. I've got Michigan at number two. Um, haven't played anybody yet, really, but they've been winning handedly. So, um, again, they haven't showed much. The playbook's not fully open. They're 
you know, they're just kind of getting in game shape at this point. Um, so I got them at two. I do have Georgia at three still. Um, they've got the potential if they, they clean some things up. So I like Georgia at three. Ohio State at four, I don't feel great about. I, I, after the Notre Dame game, I saw some really good things, but um, we'll really see. I think this Maryland game is going to be a big test for us, too. There, we'll get to that here shortly when, when we talk to vets or bet your nuts. But um, And then I've got Oregon over USC at number five just because of that 3-3-5 defense situation going on. Um, and the lack of awareness to make adjustments in the second half. Now, hopefully USC learns from that. They would go back and watch this game film. Um, but Oregon is averaging 51.6 points a game. I mean, they are dominating on the offensive side. So they're, they're scary right now. Raj, what's your top five for this week? I mean, I agree entirely on Oregon. It pains me because I hate them. As you know, you know, people say the O, you know what it stands for. Zero championships, zero wins of any significance. <laughs> um, but they are my fifth team. And, and I'll go backwards. I got Georgia number four just because until they prove otherwise, until Beck and whatnot, and they stop the run, I have seen teams that have looked better. Ohio State number three right now because I think they had uh, probably the best win, if not the second best win, at Notre Dame with a new quarterback. I have Texas at number two. I like the balance, even though Sark. At number one, I know they haven't played anybody, but I have Michigan. I just think based on potential, the trenches, you know, you look at completion percentage, first down defense, third down defense. Um, and one big one for me is the lowest penalties per game. Team discipline is massive at this level, and they have it. And I see a higher, the highest ceiling there. And there's enough recruiting talent there for playmakers to emerge. So I think they're the most balanced team in the country despite playing no one. Although I may think something like that in my head, that name in number one will never come out of my mouth. <laughs> as soon as you said there Texas number one, I looked at you and I, I had to bite my tongue because I'm like, it, there's no way he's going to give them that. that uh, no, you're, they're never getting up there. Come on now. That's fair. Uh, you understand. Um, my top five this week, I am going there, Michigan. Uh yeah, they haven't played anybody, but this was their first – yeah, big shocker, right? <laughs> uh, this was their first road game of the season, and they met the match. They they won soundly. Their first team defense didn't give up any points. It came down to the last, I don't know, two minutes uh, of nonsense time against third and four stringers. They got their touchdown. But um, J.J. looked good. Blake looked good. They're dominating up front. They were all over Nebraska. It seemed whenever the quarterback got out of the pocket, they were there. And uh, and it, you were texting Raj that day, just talking about the trenches. And and they're getting better as the season goes, week by week. And and their secondary is getting better. Um, so Jesse Minter, obviously, he comes from an NFL pedigree with the Ravens, um, and he's kind of brought in that that uh, discipline to the program. So I like where they're headed. Obviously the season doesn't get any easier 
as it goes on. Um, so they're my it number one. Hmm. It fucking better not. <laughs> yeah. They're my number one. Texas is number two. Blake Ewers just he's he's solid. Quinn. And Quinn, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said Blake. Quinn, thank you. Boy, I'm off today. Gosh. You're good. Jeez. <laughs> I, I haven't had my uh I didn't do my my jack, ladies and gentlemen. I have not had <laughs> my jack. Uh maybe that's why I'm a little tongue-tied. It's been a rough week and it's only Tuesday, but uh as always, get yourself a jack. Powered this reckless speculation uh, show. Obviously, I'm not powered by it this week. I better get it for tomorrow night's NFL show, or I'm in big trouble. But uh, uh, Texas is number two with Quinn Ewers uh, at the helm. Uh, Ohio State, uh, I love what they did going into Notre Dame. I think that was kind of a defining moment I talked about last week. Uh, Kyle McCord, that was his coming out party. Uh, we'll see if he can follow that up because he's going to need to be on his game against uh, Maryland. We'll talk about that momentarily, but um, number three, number four, Georgia, I still going to give them respect. The fact that they're back-to-back national championships, they're undefeated, but the fact that, you know, they were down to South Carolina at half at home, 14 to three, and they barely squeaked by a, a, a Michigan state uh transfer in Peyton Thorne against Auburn. Um, I just, I'm not, I'm not sold. So we'll I'll keep them at four. And then Florida state is number five. Uh, Travis at quarterback. He's, he's going to keep you in all these games a uh, couple weeks, barely getting by, but um, they've done enough. They've got an explosive offense. So I'll keep them at number five. I did mention the foreshadowing. Uh, which will be coming up here in our bonus bets. But first, before we do that, we're going to go game balls and fumbles this week for the NCAA college football action. And Raj, we're going to start with you this week. Who's your college game ball and college fumble for the week? Hmm. Game ball. I keep forgetting about this segment a bit, but my game ball goes to a guy that if you notice when Tyler Buckner got called to, for the start against South Florida, Jalen Monroe Milrow was rallying all the troops. He wasn't starting and all the dudes were around him. He's a leader. And I was most impressed with that and, and him going 10 for 12 and 164 yards and then another 11 for 69 on the ground with two TDs on top of, again, being that leader, turning them around. And, and these are big wins. And uh, he gets my game ball for just commanding the respect, obviously, of the Mississippi State defense, but of his team and of Nick Saban. And my fumble? Um the three three five Alex Grinch, fucking Bill Little, uh, the USC defensive coordinator, um, number one. Uh, after that, you know, it, you, the LSU. I don't want to take Brandon's, but I'll, I'll stick with Alex Grinch because he's a fucking dildo. <laughs> you don't disrespect dildos, Raj. My Brandon, Lose your game ball and fumble. Dildo server purpose. Game ball is going to have to go to uh, Colorado coaching staff for the second half. 
um, which coincides with the fumble of Raj. Um, I mean, just a, a tremendous, you know, in-game adjustment and um, well, well done by Prime and company on that. So I, I give it to them. Um, my fumble's going to Georgia. I mean, they, they're not looking good. Um, they're, they're struggling. I know they pulled out a win, but, uh, I mean, against Auburn, come on. That was awful. Yeah, again, like what I about said, you? the the, uh, the the Michigan State uh, transfer. Uh, I will I will let the video speak for my game ball of the week. He's got a big touchdown maker. McCarthy scanning. Loads of time for McCarthy. Now he wins it downfield to the end zone. Roman Wilson. Roman Wilson, the Honolulu highlight film, uh, big, big touchdown, shades of David Tyree in the Super Bowl for the Giants. Uh, great concentration. Uh, I was at a wake. I was inundated with text messages about that catch. I had to check it out for myself because I wasn't able to watch. But wow, um, he's got great hands and he's JJ's number one target at the moment. And uh, that proved why he's, you know, he's going to be in, in contention as, as the season goes. Uh, I, I like Roman Wilson. He's been, he's, he's been consistent this year. Uh, wearing the number one, it, it, that speaks volumes, and it, and it comes with a lot of pressure, and he's, he's met the match. And my fumble goes to this guy right here. You have bad vibes about the maize and blue in Lincoln today. Well, I just – the, the Wolverines have played a schedule that's not very good. If you play bad schedules, I've been there before. You just don't get you don't get better. If you're the same team in October you were in September, you're not a very good team. I believe in Matt Rule. I believe in Nebraska. We saw they should have beat Minnesota. If you don't turn a ball over here a couple weeks ago, they're right in that game. Don't turn the ball over and let that three three five defense play. They got good players on defense. I think it's going to be a close game in Lincoln. Raj, you mentioned the three-three-five defense. Uh, Matt Rule looked de- absolutely defeated in this game. Uh, tried to one-up Harbaugh with like four seconds left, calling a timeout. But you know what? It, it is what it is. But Urban not looking real, real good um, in that prediction. But real quick on Urban Meyer, this kind of come out. Sometime this evening, I don't know the truth to this, but there's a there's a, a college football writer that has said that there's reports that he's going to interview for the Michigan State opening. Uh, as a Michigan fan, does this scare me a little bit? 100%. He's absolutely dominated Michigan at Ohio State. Um, for a... I don't think it's a good look for Michigan State. Uh, I read a tweet pre- prior to the show, and I, I was reading it to Brandon. Um, you're going to take one guy who just got fired for inappropriate sexual behavior, and you're going to replace him with another guy who was fired due to inappropriate sexual behavior. Just a 
it would be a bad look for uh, Michigan State in a tone deaf moment. So I I'm not too sure the the I don't know if if that's legitimate or not. Uh, we'll see as the week goes on. But uh, I, I he can coach. There's no there's no surprise. And if if Robbie was here tonight, he would be all over the urban MSU hype train. But uh, just thought I'd throw that in there as a, as a tidbit moving forward. But um, you, you hear his that. name everywhere. But the first yeah, team, yeah. and like you said, after Larry, the kind of college awful situation and everything with Mel Tucker, this is the last guy you want. Number one, yeah. number two, Urban Meyer wouldn't interview. They'd fucking hire him. That's it. So whenever you yeah. say that right there, you know it's just hype and true, uh, and it it, it, it just it, it's to me it's a bad look, uh, but you know would he win in East Lansing? I I think there's no question about it. But this 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 story seems to be picking up a little bit of traction. I don't know if that's like I said if it's legitimate or if it's uh, Sparty Twitter uh, trying to uh, push things through. But um, that's it. Well. We'll see as the season moves along what, what happens. But uh, you know what time it is, folks. It's time for Bet Your Nuts. That's right. It's time for bonus Bet Your Nuts. I will put on... Last week's performance, ladies and gentlemen. Of course you will. <laughs> Truly. Bounce back week. Uh, abysmal performance two weeks ago by yours truly. Last week, came back with vengeance. Uh, Robbie, uh, his his output looking a little bit like his fantasy football team. <laughs> Brandon uh, is batting 500. And uh, Raj, you did a good week in the NFL, so. Uh, one week to the next seems to be uh, somebody else's turn this week. With, uh, last week it was mine. We'll see what this week has to offer. And we're going to start off with the Red River rivalry down at the Texas State Fair. The Sooners or the Fighting Brent Vegetables, as Brandon Chain would say, uh, going up against the Quinn Ewers-led uh, Texas Longhorns. Uh, Texas giving six and a half. Brandon, we're going to start with you. Who do you like in this one? This is always a close game, big rivalry, um, but not this year. I like Texas. Um, I think they win by 10 or more. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, I, I think the quarterback play uh, is the difference in this game. Yeah. Uh, they they've been pretty close the last couple of years, but uh, I, I think Quinn Ewers is really uh, matured and he's going to lead their way. Uh, Raj, what do you think in this one? Yeah, I'm tempted to do the opposite of me, like what I'm thinking, because I'm thinking kind of like the way Caleb Williams came in and almost led that comeback. I think Jackson Arnold will be their starting QB, the freshman by the end of the year. That being said, the balance on Texas is too tough. OU does not run the ball as well. And Jonathan Brooks has emerged with Texas 218 yards last week. I think Texas grinds them down. Give me Texas. We all have Texas, so that means Oklahoma is going to pull off the win. Right. 
heading down to Seabus for a noon kickoff against uh, Talia Tunga Viola, the uh, talented yet oft hurt quarterback for the Terrapins. Uh, Ohio State coming off a bye week. Prior to that, a big win on the road against Notre Dame. 19 and a half points in this one. Raj, we'll start with you. Who do you like? This is a sucker bet from Vegas. You want to take Tolua, uh, Talia, I can never pronounce his name. I don't know disrespect when he's healthy. Like his brother, he plays well. They have three running backs that play well, but I think this is a wake-up game for Ohio State. You put this game at night in Maryland, it's different. But I think Ohio State just controls from jump, and uh, I'm taking them in the 19 and a half. Brandon, I have a feeling where you're going with this one, <laughs> but let's hear it from you. <laughs> yeah, I agree with Raj a little bit on that. I, I think I think we run the ball a little bit more in this game too to to control the clock. We're at home. I think you're going to see some chunk plays, some blown assignments from Maryland, uh, a little confusion there from uh, Brian Hartline. So, I I think that's right at that number. I mean, it's really close. I could see three touchdown win here. So I'm going to take the Buckeyes. Yeah, I think I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game, and and a lot like last year, Talia played really well. Uh, and, and mm-hmm. went down uh, halfway through the fourth, and, and Ohio State pulled away. I think this is Marvin Harrison Jr.'s coming out party. I think he he finally gets gets the receptions and, and the attention that he deserves. Uh, Ameka Abuka will get some looks, and I think that's going to be one of the biggest reasons why uh, Harrison gets gets some open looks. Uh, McCord, like I said, he – he looked good, and when the going got tough, he got on the train and he took him home uh, for a big win in South Bend. So uh, I can see this game being, you know, close into the third within, you know, within the point spread. But ultimately, uh, Ohio State probably come out with about a, maybe a twenty-four point win in this one. So give me the Buckeyes in that one. Heading out to Missouri, you got the fighting from the families of LSU. Going against the Tigers of Missouri, LSU, uh, no no secret, no defense, giving or giving uh, Missouri six and a half here. Missouri's an interesting team. If there's an SEC team that is always good for one unexpected win a year, it, it seems like it's always Missouri or Wake Forest. But um, Brandon, who do you like in this this matchup? Oh, I'm confused on this one a little bit. Uh, LSU has just looked so bad as of late. And like you said, Missouri, I just can't put my finger on them. Um, I'm going to flip a coin here. And I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna take LSU. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like Brian Kelly. But I'm going to take LSU. Raj. Is, is LSU say- going to bring one home for Brian Kelly's family? <laughs> it gets me every time. <laughs> Six and a half is a lot, and Mizzou seems to always play well at home, and, and Brady Cooks look good. Um, I think LSU wins, but I'll take Missouri getting 
to me, nine and a half, you get an extra three at home. So I'll take Missouri to cover. They have the best kicker in, in, in the country, and he proved it with a 61-yard field goal oh a couple weeks ago. Gosh, that guy's huge. Uh, Notre Dame's kicker is amazing too, by the way. Yeah, I like Missouri. Um, I kind of like them to win in this one. They're definitely – obviously they're going to cover. But uh, I would not be shocked if they win. So give me the Tigers of Missouri. Coming up here, we got the UK. You got Kentucky going down to Athens to play the Bulldogs. 14 and a half points. I mean, this one kind of is a head scratcher. I guess you can say the spread is the way it is because they're playing at home. But have they beaten anybody by 14 points, Aurora, that, that isn't on anyone's radar? I'm not sure. I mentioned earlier, UK looked really good against Florida. Tough game here. Um, no slouch for, for Georgia. Raj, who do you like in this one? Even though I love Ray Davis, the Vandy transfer, brilliant guy, San Francisco, California, third in the country in rushing, for something just tells me that Georgia's going to wake up and just push them around. I'm going to take Georgia. Brandon. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I've went back and forth on this game. As bad as Georgia's looked, you know, Kentucky had a little bit of a flash against Florida. Um, But let's be honest, Florida has looked awful this year. So I I don't really give that too much merit. So I – Give me Georgia here. Uh, I'm not happy about it, but I'll take them. Um, you know, Georgia against Tennessee, or I'm sorry, uh, Florida against Tennessee looked like world beaters. And then last week against Kentucky. So we're really not sure who they are. But um, I think I think Kentucky covers here, 14 and a half. That offense just hasn't proven much. Um, and for the sake of, of not doing the same thing as everybody <laughs> so far, I will yeah. take the Wildcats to cover. I think Georgia wins, but I think it's more like a 10-point game. What the fuck, dude? Where's the wolf? Wolf. 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 <laughs> oh, I'll save that for later. All right. Uh, oh, oh. We'll give you a little, <laughs> little wounded wolf. Uh, next up, we got the, the fighting Sam Hartmans of Notre Dame. Going against the now we got to say it right, ladies and gentlemen, Louisville, Louisville Cardinals, Louisville, 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 Notre Dame giving uh, giving six and a half to the Cardinals. Brandon Chain. I haven't watched Louisville play that much this year, um, so I'm not. Not too up to date on them. I think, you know, we we talked about Notre Dame potentially struggling and maybe Sam Hartman has gotten figured out or or at least that offensive scheme. You know, but I I believe in Marcus Freeman to make a, a little better adjustments here after watching that game film. So I'm going to take Notre Dame here. Um, I think Freeman's a good coach. He's on his way. Yeah, I I agree. I think this is Sam Hartman's game to win. Last two weeks, he just we've talked about it before. He just hasn't looked good. I think he gets it right, and they start feeding 
uh, Jerome Bettis 2.0 the ball, and uh, mm-hmm. they're going to walk away with the win. Uh, Raj, who do you like in this one? This is my lock of the week, Notre Dame. All you need to know last week is that Louisville had 29 carries for 20 yards. Wow. Against NC State, averaging 0.7. The other thing is their quarterback, Jack Plummer, was mediocre at Purdue. He was mediocre at Cal last year, and he sure as hell is mediocre this year. I think Notre Dame, even though they've got a good back, hammers Louisville. Do you think uh, Jack Plummer is riding the coattails of his dad, Jake Plummer? Is it his dad, the snake? I don't even know. I thought it was. Hmm. Well, look that up. We'll have to it's look. Pretty up. inconsistent. So that yeah. is yeah. definitely like his dad. Um, I don't know. He, he, he <laughs> sure as hell looks like him. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So moving on to the game of the week, outside of the Red River rivalry, Alabama, A and M. Uh, this is going to be a raucous crowd down there at A&M. You know they're going to they're going to be jumping, getting that 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 whole place moving. This is a tough tough position for Alabama. We talked about it before. Have they turned the corner? They've played a couple nice games in a row. This could be the game that defines their season. Brandon, who do you like in this one? Um, after what I saw last week, I like Bama. Uh, I think I think they've kind of figured out the offensive solution here. Keep the ball out of Milton's hands or uh, Morrow, his hands as much as possible, um, and give it give it to the running back. So look for a low scoring game in the trenches. And I like Bama to cover it. Raj. Same. If this were a night game, I might consider something else, but a 3.30 CBS start, and then you got Saban versus Bimbo, uh, that's game <laughs> over for me. I'll take Bama. <clears throat> Ooh! Give me A&M. This is Jim Bo Fisher's career on the line at Texas A&M. He loses this game. The writing will be on the wall. They're going to call Michigan State and get the blueprint how they ran good old Mel Tucker uh, out, and they're going to railroad him. So for the sake of Jimbo Fisher's career, give me A&M to win this game. But, uh, man, that'll be a good one. Definitely a big slate of college football this weekend. Looking forward to that. For sure. And we're going to move on, folks, to the final words of the day. College football kickoff show. Brandon Chain, what's your final words for today? Final words. Um, Looking forward to some of the matchups this weekend. And I've also got our member guest here this week, which is going to be a lot of fun. That's a little golf tournament we do. We invite a member in or a guest in, um, and it's a three-day event. It starts Thursday and ends on Saturday. So 
going to be fun, fun weekend of golf and uh, good weekend of football. Raj Mehta, final words for tonight. Final words are baseball related. Big thumbs down to the douche known as Marlins man uh, who wears orange all the time. Sorry, Tennessee fans. He is at Milwaukee against Arizona, and Arizona has gotten to the Brewers. It's six, six to three, three in the bottom of the ninth, but Arizona's closer situation is shaky. Marlins man right behind the plate. The fucking Marlins made the playoffs, and they're playing right now in Philadelphia. Yep. I mean, the only thing I can think of is nobody wants to go to Philadelphia whether for a game or otherwise, I've been there many times. And they're not going to put him. They're not going to put him behind the plate. They're not going to let him no. buy a ticket behind the plate. I don't know how the guy's like fucking mattress Mac, but I mean, get out of here, <laughs> dude. Your team finally makes the playoffs. Either get your ass there, or you know, don't just show up at another game. Let alone Arizona and Milwaukee. So f that guy. That's my final word. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I too will follow suit. My final words of the day. Uh, we say goodbye to uh, an absolute legend here uh, in Detroit, uh, Miguel Cabrera, 21-year career, 15 years in a Detroit Tigers uniform. Played his final uh, game Sunday against Cleveland. Um, just, just a storybook career, Miguel Cabrera. Top 10 in almost every offensive category. Um, just a, just an ambassador for the game. Good guy. Loved playing baseball. Just it was fun to watch his interaction with other players. His interaction with with fans was was definitely something to be uh, watched. It was just an awesome awesome weekend. We went down on Friday, uh, and they did a really cool drone show, uh, and it was all Miggy related. They had uh, these drones in position for like uh, his his swing. They did the Triple Crown Award award it was just really cool really cool moment um but uh it's gonna look a lot different around here as a tiger fan with him not in the lineup but he's kind of passed the torch this is a very good young core group of players this is a team that was supposed to lose 100 games this year they improved from the year before by 12 they finished six games under five 500 in second place uh, just a remarkable job by A.J. Hinch. But um, I think he's left the franchise in pretty good shape moving forward. But um, it was definitely an emotional weekend in Detroit. They finished the last homestand 5-1. and one. Unfortunately, the only game they lose is the, the game I attended. So, um, But nonetheless, it was awesome to be there to witness uh, Miguel Cabrera. So, looking The only guy to- without juice, sorry to interrupt, the only guy that hasn't juiced that – you put on base intentionally because for about a five-year stretch, he was going to kill you. Yep, and yep. always smiling, a total ambassador for the game. Mm-hmm. As for the Tigers, I saw a lot of young pitching, a lot of promise. And, yeah, things are looking bright, but we'll miss Miguel Cabrera. We will. Yeah. He was a the baseball great world. Player. The baseball world will miss him for sure. Yes. Um, but with that being said, another great show, guys. Um, good recap, good preview. It'll be interesting to see how our picks make out. Um, but look forward to tomorrow night, uh, our NFL kickoff show. We're going to kind of recap some of the games, uh, better action from last week and around the NFL and preview this week's up and coming 
action. So look for that tomorrow night. And as always, uh, like, follow, subscribe. I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is the best way to help us out because uh, we get a bigger and better reach. So do us a favor. Give us a like. Give us a follow. And don't forget tomorrow night, NFL kickoff show. For Brandon Chain, the one and only Raj Mehta. Robbie Davis, we miss you. We love you. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. I am Tom Sloan. We will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of Reckless Speculation. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube searching Reckless Speculation. Catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We look forward to catching you right here next week with another exciting episode of Reckless Speculation. Cheers.